Alrighty, here we go. My name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 216, I think, something like that. And for those of you who have never listened to Zen Parenting Radio, it's a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and an Academy Award-loving mom. Yes. And a logical and practical dad who kind of likes the Academy Awards, but not as much as you do. But you don't ever win when we do I won last year. I won last year. You did not win I last year. I won last year. year. You won three years ago no, when you changed last year, the rules sweetie, so listen, you could win. Sweetie, shh. Okay. Shh. Zip it. Shh. You zip it. I won last year because I checked out what the pros predicted, and I get a, I got like 20 out of 22 right. But didn't I still win? No, you got killed. I killed you. There's no way I got killed in an Academy Everybody Awards Everybody lost thing. to me because I got on... Who was here? Who was The over? Schultzes and the O'Keefe's. Last year, really? Yes. Come on. I don't remember. Get the cobwebs out of that brain of yours. I don't have cobwebs. You had cobwebs. You You're... were dizzy before we started, remember? Well, isn't that special? <laughs> um, so you told me to zip it. <laughs> we have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Right, sweetie? True blue. So buckle up. This is going to be a long show, I think longer than usual because we have a lot of things to go through. Or we might, maybe. Or we might get lazy and just cut it off at our 40-minute mark. Or maybe we'll just be done. Or maybe we'll get lazy. <laughs> we could. Maybe we I'll get hungry. I haven't eaten lunch I yet. I haven't eaten lunch either. And I am kind of hungry. Twelve thirty-four. I know. You know, we all have those times when you look at a clock. Mine is always twelve thirty-four. Mine is eleven eleven. I see twelve thirty-four so often; it's not even funny. I see eleven eleven every time. It's eleven eleven, and it makes sense to me because twelve thirty-four. It's very sequential. It's very logical. One, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't know. I I've read a lot about eleven eleven, and people always give me their own reasons. You know, everybody's got the numerology kind of mindset, but I just find it very reassuring. That's all I know. Yeah. Makes me feel good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, isn't that special? <laughs> are you like, are you going to be in a mood? <laughs> Is that the love theme from Jaws? <laughs> yes. The Bill Murray Jaws theme. We should, we should play that. You should. That would be funny. Um, so first we have a screening coming up on Wednesday, March 11th in Elmhurst. Yes. If you don't live in Illinois, sorry, you can't participate or. Or you can drive in. Yeah. But if you live in or around Chicago, we're uh, screening this movie called The Mask You Live In. We have sold quite a few tickets. We have uh, a certain allotment left. So if you're interested in getting your tickets, sooner would be better than later. Yes. And the documentary is about, it's called The Mask You Live In. It's about how it's difficult to be a boy in this crazy world. Are you going to get mad because I used the word crazy? No, I'm going to say that it's about redefining and kind of stepping back and taking a look at the way our boys are being raised. And, you know, the thing we talk about on the show all the time is as adults, we have to take inventory of our own own lives to realize what we want to stop doing and what we'd like to keep doing, meaning we can look at how our parents parented us and say, wow, this really worked. This was really great. But in this day and age, I need to evolve in these ways. And it really is a time, we've come to a time for many reasons, um, where it is time to relook at masculinity and see if that's really helping or hurting our sons, our fathers, uh, our brothers, our nephews, just to to see um, if allowing men to have the opportunity to be emotional, um, allowing them the opportunity to have some – to talk about other things besides, as Todd always says, uh, sports and beer. Fantasy football and beer. Would be actually a good thing for them overall and for our world. Um, so that the movie asks that question and um, please so you, come. There is a time there to is a every time. purpose. There is. To everything. I've always liked this song. Me too. Very hopeful, right? It's true. Isn't this a Bible verse? I don't know. This. Under heaven. Yeah. A time to build up, a time to break down. Time to fill up and a time to break That's down. That's right. And just knowing the, the normalcy of that rather than a false strength 
um, that numbs out our boys. So anyway, um, it's worth seeing. I so mean, even if, you, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, come see it. Um, so how to buy tickets is in the show notes, or you can go to zenparentingradio.com and click on events. Or kathycadams.com, click on events. You can get your tickets that way. And just as a reminder, you can't get your tickets at York Theater. Uh, get your tickets through my website. Our first partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Um, Dr. Kelly adjusts our family uh, twice a month, and the number is 630-OSCAR-HEAVY-SHOW. We're going to play some clips from last night's Oscar. We're taping this on Monday. And it's pretty motivational, inspirational. Well, I thought, like you know, we were talking about Todd and I always watch the Oscars. We always make it into quite the event. And I thought last night was the most – the speeches and just the commentary that came out of everything, it raised awareness around so many different issues you know, there was, I mean, I would think to myself, oh, that was it. That was the moment. And then I'd be like, oh, wait a second. There's another moment. Oh, wait a second. There's another. So I really think that it really spoke to a lot of the issues we're, we're dealing with in society and gave us an opportunity to continue a discussion. So the first clip we're going to play is by a guy named Graham Moore. Who's Graham Moore, sweetie? So Graham Moore won the screenplay. Um, was it adapted screenplay? Doesn't matter. Uh, for the imitation game. And for those of you who don't know about the Imitation Game. It's the movie with Benedict Cumberbatch, and he's—I think Alan Turing is his name—and he is—he's a—he cracked the code, uh, the Nazi code, and actually ended up helping us win World War II, uh, saved the world in some ways, and then he was eventually ridiculed and put aside because he was gay. Okay, so this is about fifty seconds from this guy's acceptance speech. Okay. Here we go. Here's here's the thing. Um, Alan Turing never got to stand on a stage like this and look out at all of these disconcertingly attractive faces. And uh, I do. And that's the most unfair thing I think I've ever heard. Um, so in this brief time here, what I want to use it to do is, is to say this. Um, when I was 16 years old, I tried to kill myself um, because I felt weird and I felt different and I felt like I did not belong. And now I'm standing here and... So I would like for this moment to be for that kid out there who feels like she's weird or she's different or she doesn't fit in anywhere. Yes, you do. I promise you do. You do. Stay weird. Stay different. And then when it's your turn and you are standing on the stage, please pass the same message to the next person who comes along. So the audio is not perfect. No, the audio sounded kind of weird. But hopefully you got the gist. It's funny because he said stay weird. Um, but here's the thing. I was reading about him. I made it a grand assumption last night after um, watching that clip that I assumed because Alan Turing's story is about him being gay, that I assumed that Graham Moore was gay. And I went online today at Todd's recommendation. And after he accepted his award, he said, no, I'm not gay. He said, I just was depressed. Mm -hmm. And nobody talks about depression as a kid. And I was depressed because I felt weird, because I felt different. And, you know, that's what I wanted to say to kids is that the way you feel about yourself, you know, um, it, that it's okay to be different. Right. But the different he was speaking of was he actually is is not gay. But I, I made that assumption. So the reason we think this is important is this is a podcast about parenting. And sometimes our kids uh, don't grow up to be the person that we think they should be. Instead, they grow up to the person that they should be. And it's just yet another reminder of allowing our kids to figure out for themselves who they're supposed to be in this world and to remove our expectation of who they may or may not be um, out of the equation because it really has very little to do with us. And, you know, like Todd just said, our expectation and often our expectation is really based in fear that I want my kid to look a certain way, act a certain way, do certain things. And if they don't, then it's somehow a reflection on me and then people don't like me. And it's really kind of a deep-seated old childlike way right. of viewing the world rather than when we become parents, when we have children, it's time that we are grounded enough. In, and again, this takes work. It's not, I'm making it sound so simple, but that we can be grounded enough to then allow our child to be whoever they want to be, right. that we're not anymore saying you have to be this so I feel good about who you are and so I feel good acknowledging you you know, to right. the world. Um, and that is, you know, as we always say on the show, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. If you understand that you belong 
and that who you are is worthy, then you can offer that to your child, yep. that I believe the same about you. Well, it's funny because if we get to our listeners' questions, there's a few questions that deal specifically with uh, with these issues of um, you know, parents maybe wanting to push their kid in a certain direction. And so hopefully we get to those questions because it all kind of ties together quite nicely. It does. Um, can I move on to Patricia Please. Arquette? Yes. Who's Patricia Arquette? So Patricia Arquette won Best Supporting Actress for Boyhood. Which She'll always be the lady from True Romance for me. <laughs> to you. Um, but I it was I was sad, I have to say, before you play it because Boyhood was my favorite movie of the year. I also saw Birdman and loved it. But I was glad she at least won an award to acknowledge. Um, <laughs> I know. That was really loud. That's my thing about... Um, the show last night is Michael Keaton didn't win. I know. And Boyhood didn't win. Boyhood was the best movie. And by Boyhood far. was the best movie by far. And I'm, I'm. Not I, only was it the most like wonderfully acted, understated, real life movie I've ever uh, seen, but it was also, as everybody knows, this has been beaten to death. Filmed over twelve years. How can that not? be acknowledged as a best picture. Well, and a lot of people are saying, well, it was acknowledged. It just didn't win. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> and I rarely care that much. But this time I did. I don't know. I feel like I identify with this movie and how amazing it was. And Richard, Richard Linkletter, the guy who had the vision, the director, the writer, uh, hats off. It kind of felt to me, the the last time I felt this way where I was like, oh my gosh, was the whole Saving Private Ryan, Shakespeare in Love thing. Yeah. Do you remember that? I, well, I didn't until you reminded me of it. It's that kind of thing where you're like, oh, and again, it doesn't, I love Shakespeare in Love. I loved that movie. But you kind of look at the two, and Birdman's pretty amazing. Birdman's I mean, it, a great it's movie. It's amazing. It's just the uh, effort and the and the newness. Mm-hmm. Well, they were both new. I don't yeah. know if I'm going to make a good case here. I guess it's just the way I felt. Well, I think what we want to make sure everybody understands is the Academy got it wrong (laughs) and we got it right. Well, at least it got a Golden Globe. So Patricia Arquette. Patricia Arquette. Great speech. Play it. All right. Here we go. Ecological sanitation to the developing world with GiveLove.org. To every woman who gave birth, to every taxpayer and citizen of this nation, we have fought for everybody else's equal rights. It's our time to have wage equality once and for all and equal rights for women in the United States of America. All right. And scene. And Meryl Streep. Yeah, she's And a, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, they're they're screaming. They were pretty excited. Well, and I was pretty excited too. I got my eyes got really big and I was like because I wasn't quite sure what she was about to say. Well, I was confused. Yeah, I was a little confused. And then I was like, oh my gosh. And I like, you know, had kind of the same reaction where I kind of got up and I was like, oh my gosh. And then, uh, you know, our girls were sitting with us and um, my middle daughter looked at me and she's like, I don't understand what she's saying. And I said, she's talking about wage equality. She's saying that women and men should be paid the same thing. And my my 10-year-old daughter said, I thought we already fixed that. Yeah. And it just is so indicative of how crazy it is that – that we still somehow believe that a woman who's starring in a movie should make less yeah. than a man. Um, or, you know, this is the entertainment industry. This is – we're talking everywhere, yeah. not just, you know, in movies. And um, it really is a crazy notion. Well, um, I remember in tennis, um, in women's tennis, I, they, they may be caught up now because I think – now this is when the Williams sisters were so mm-hmm. popular, mm-hmm. but they were getting paid less like the – what should we call it? The, Wimbledon? Yeah, well, whatever tournament they were doing, the purse of how much every winner gets. The mm-hmm. men always got more. Mm-hmm. And the way I think they justified it previous to that was, well, the men – More people watched. More people watched. Mm-hmm. But once the Williams sister came on board – more of the people were watching the Them. females mm-hmm. and yet they were still being underpaid. Now, shame on me for not knowing if they ever made any headway with that. I happen to think women's tennis is better than men's tennis because men's tennis, they hit the ball so hard, there's not many volleys. It's like once across the net, once back, and then all of it's over. Whereas right. the girls, it's more back and forth. So I enjoy women's tennis more. So Well, I just listened to an interview with John McEnroe. I think it was on Here's oh, the Thing, yeah. Alec Baldwin. And he commented on that. He kind of said he felt not ashamed, but he felt bad that um, when he was playing, he was against women getting as, as much money. Yeah. And now he's a father and mm-hmm. he has daughters. Yeah. And he's like, now I think I'm crazy. Right. Now he, he said, I look back at that thinking and I realize how outdated that was. Right. So he's been in support right. of, you know, women tennis players getting as much as men. Right. 
Anything else on Patricia Arquette? Um, no, just that I think that... I thought we fixed that. That what? That's Cameron. Oh, yeah, I thought we fixed that. I already said that. But I think the response from the audience and the fact that I've probably seen more, after everything from last night, more on my news feed about that Mm -hmm. speech is I really envisioned her, you know, she was pretty much a shoe-in for this award. Right. And I envisioned her thinking, this is an opportunity to start a conversation and to say something that people will start talking about and to say it in a real, you know, because billions of people watch this show. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to take a different angle on this. Okay. I think you might be surprised. Um, I'm all for Patricia Arquette. I think women should be paid equally and all that. I, I invite our listeners that next time somebody uses this platform for something that we don't necessarily agree with. So let's say some, I don't know, some Clint Eastwood gets up there and talks about NRA and gun control. And talks to the chair? <laughs> no, not to the chair. Okay. Um, it's This is a another invitation for tolerance of somebody else's viewpoint because I could see myself, let's say some actor got up there and said, we need more guns. Mm-hmm. I could see myself coming on our podcast the next morning saying, why are you using this platform as your own social agenda? Mm-hmm. So I, I say that out loud. So when that happens next time, that somebody takes the opposing viewpoint to respect that, not agree with it, but expect accept it in the same way that we are kind of screaming from the mountaintops for Patricia Arquette. I hear what you're saying and I'm all about tolerance and I'm all about compassion for others and allowing people to have their freedom of expression. But I also think sometimes the bigger picture is what is it the best interest of everybody? Meaning that when you're talking about saying, you know, wage equality for women, how how does that hurt anybody? I mean, I know everyone's going to throw out the financial, <laughs> but see, that does that's not the way I view the world, Todd. Finances, I know. I know. to me, are not a good enough reason to make people feel unworthy and less than. Right. So when people throw things at me about, well, the shareholders or, it, you know, it's going to make you pay more money, I'm like, yeah, so then let's make people feel like crap right. so you can have more money. I know that it's a bigger idea than that um, because I know it takes a lot of change and shifting for it all to kind of work its way out. But we got to start with our philosophy first. And our philosophy is people first Um, in, you know, accepting everybody, understanding that everybody has the right to belong and be heard and be valued. So if somebody comes out on stage and says, we need more guns because then we can kill more people, that doesn't sound like a a helpful thing for our world. But the person who's saying getting getting in front of a microphone says we need more guns believes that that will make the world safer. Yeah, I hear that. So this is why it's tricky. This is not an easy idea to, to embrace. Yeah, uh, because I like I said, I I challenge even myself. Like if somebody got up there and came up with some social cause that I was dead set against, whatever it doesn't have to be guns, just dead set against to remember all of it. And doesn't mean we agree with it. Doesn't mean that we have to um, be okay with it. But it's just another invitation to. Uh, allow others' ideas to come through. Well, and I think that we've come a long way with this because many years ago, maybe over 10, um, Richard Gere was presenting an award and he took the opportunity while presenting, which really isn't your, you're not supposed to be talking because about he's your presenting own personal and needs. He's not, he's not winning accepting an award. An award. Okay. But he took the opportunity to ask people to be more conscious about what was going on in Tibet and mm-hmm. to free Tibet. Yeah. And because he, he's been a practicing Buddhist most of his life and and he was then banned from presenting at shows right. until Chicago came mm-hmm. out and he was nominated for a Golden Globe, right. but he was not nominated for an Academy Award. And a lot of people think that's because people were still pissed. Right. So when you think about how many social issues were brought up last night, yeah. things are shifting yeah. because um, you know it's time for some change. And and again, that was about someone else's country. Um, but at the same time, it's that you know that per, that bigger perspective, that global perspective that things need to change and people are finally speaking out. Um, didn't one of the Beastie Boys uh, during accepting won an award, it may have been an MTV movie award or music award, but I think he was all about Tibet and Buddhism and all that. The guy who passed away. Yeah, I think he's the guy Adam, who died. Yeah. And I think it's just a different time. Yeah. First of all, he's a musician. So there's, I think, that sense of there's a little more pushing the envelope, you know, different right. kinds of opinions. And I think when Richard Gere said this, this was a long time ago, right. maybe even longer ago than 10 years, maybe more like 20. Um so it's just about timing and yeah. about who you are. Right. I think, you know, it was just a uncommon. Speaking of Speaking common, of common, uh, do you want to set this up or no? Sure. So uh, the original song, 
Um, there was uh, many wonderful performances, but I think the performance of the night was um, for the song Glory from the movie Selma, and thank goodness it won. Um, and Common and John Legend came up and gave a speech, and I think Todd, you're going to play Common's part. Yes, I am. Okay. Ready? Simone said, it's an artist's duty to reflect the times in which we live. That's we wrote John this Legend. song for a film that no, was based right. on events. My bad. Let's try this again. First, I would like to thank God that lives in us all. Recently, John and I got to go to Selma and perform glory on the same bridge that Dr. King and the people of the Civil Rights Movement marched on 50 years ago. This bridge was once a landmark of a divided nation, but now is a symbol for change. The spirit of this bridge transcends race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, and social status. The spirit of this bridge connects the kid from the south side of Chicago, dreaming of a better life, to those in France standing up for their freedom of expression, to the people in Hong Kong protesting for democracy. This bridge was built on hope, welded with compassion, and elevated by love for all human beings. Thank you. Nice job, Legend. No, or no, no, that was common. common. Sorry. Nice yeah, job. John Legend speaks after him and speaks just as eloquently, but it would just go on really long. Um, but John Legend then comes on and says um, – he, he gives a quote by Nina Simone and says it's something to the effect of it's an artist's duty – um, to raise awareness right. and to, you know, the fact that they have as big of an audience as they do to raise awareness. And, you know, they go on to talk about that Selma, you know, the whole idea of Selma is now yeah. because people's voting rights are being, uh, what's the compromised. word, compromised. And, you know, all the things that are going on in our country as far as racial tension and, you know, it, the time to be compassionate and loving, yes, 50 years ago on that bridge, but now too. Well, being compassionate and loving is never going to fall out of vogue. It's never and it's and that's the whole thing. The reason that we so hold up MLK and Gandhi, um, among many other leaders, is that they used love and they used peace to create change. Right. And there are many people who think that those things aren't powerful enough to create change. Yeah. And we, you know, we believe in we tend to focus more on violence and hurting people and overpowering and ego and you know being better than others. And when you use love and peace, it can radically shift. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but you you engage more people. I mean, and my reason for believing that, besides seeing it, you know, historically, is that that's who we really are. Right. So when we hear that, when we when we see a leader who says compassion, peace, believe, you know, love for we each other, we are back in alignment with with our, our true selves, with how we showed up and where yes. we came from and everything else. Whereas fear and violence and everything else is not our essence. It is not how we showed up. That's our ego demand. Right, right. So many of us can still be very fear-based just based on what our ego is telling us and our and what we watch and experience and listen to and what we're taught. So many people, that's why violence is very focused on. Right. Um, so that's a piece of us. Mm -hmm. But the truest core of us, that's kind of our false self. Mm -hmm. Our true self is that connection to love. We know that's the right choice. Well, let's bring this back to um, parenting. Okay. Um, so we're speaking on a macro level, um, you know, violence and war and everything else versus MLK and Gandhi talking about love and peace and everything mm -hmm. else. Shrink it down to your own household. You know, at the risk of standing on my soapbox, we've done a lot of shows about spanking and how we don't think that spanking as a, you know, it's corporal punishment that we don't believe in. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are other ways of going about it mm -hmm. than to hit your child. You know, some people, well, I don't hit him, I spank him. Well, hitting is spanking. So, Or the, the focus on, you know, you, you always talk about the physical. Yes. But there's also the emotional right. abusive right. where we shame them yes. and we make them feel awful about who they are. And we tell them, you know, like going back, back to Graham Moore's speech, and he didn't say anything about his parents, so I don't want to assume that it was a parental right. thing. Could have been um, Could have been anything. Else. Could have right. been school. But he, you know, making sure our kids know that we love them no matter what. No who matter they, what. Who they came here to be is exactly who they're going to be. And our job, I kind of always envision myself kind of, you know, extending my arms out around my kids and saying, I am your first line of defense. I know you are worthy. I value you. And 
and then they have that sense of stability to go out in the world because is everyone going to value them? Mm. No. Right. They're not. But I don't need to toughen them up for that. Right. What I need to do is help them intrinsically believe that about themselves so then they can go out and be not as affected by people who are negative. Or if nothing else, when they come home, they know they're in a safe place. Perfect. That's it. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Just that, that they're not going to be judged based on their accomplishments or their screw-ups or anything. We're going to love them regardless. Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole point. And to also understand everyone who's going, but what about is is not permissiveness? Right. This is about this is not about saying they that's can do. That's our trickiest job. It is, is is explaining the fine line between persi- permissiveness. And loving your kid. And conscious parenting. And conscious parenting. Or self-aware parenting or whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah, because everybody always connects somehow being kind or respectful to your child as being permissive or being um, allowing your child to run the house. And you can actually respect your child and treat them with a great deal of understanding while still being in charge. Well, I didn't plan on doing this, but uh, this Friday we're posting a show by our, uh, we interview our friend Annie Burnside. And I'm trying to think how, okay, so this is about a minute long and this is just a quick clip and I think it semi-relates to what we're talking about. So, and while Todd is getting uh, queued up, Annie Burnside is the author of Soul to Soul Parenting. She also wrote a book last year called um, From Role to Soul and she is quite the expert in this area. So glad that you said that about being friends because it's one of those like taboo things where whenever I will say to parents, you know, how would you treat a friend? Treat your child that way. Well, I don't want to be friends with my child. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's become, I think that was a thing in the 80s or 90s where there was a big like, don't be friends with your kid. You're the authoritarian. It's very different than friendship in like you and I being friends. Peers. Right. right. It's an organic process that occurs um, when you've been in a close family. Yeah. I think a good way to put it, um, the way I look at my children or my life or my my husband's life, your lives, is just a really deep appreciation for a beautiful unfolding life and being open to the mystery of of how it's going to unfold and excited for that individual because it's going to be really unique and we don't know the challenges we don't know the upshot we don't know the downs but if you're just open to the unfoldment and that's what you enjoy Mm. yes then there's less attachment to and um what do you think oh i love it she she has great words she always has a great way of um you know kind of putting something in perspective so thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Annie. Um, so last. So that's this Friday. That's this Friday. Okay. So, so to hear that whole interview. So tune in. Um, so this last one is from J.K. J.K. Who is uh, he? J.K. Simmons. He won Best Supporting Actor last night. Um, I always think of him as the dad from Juno. <laughs> he was so good in that movie. I love him in Juno. <laughs> I know. And he's also in a bunch of car commercials. And my guess is that... No, his... insurance commercials. Oh, yeah. Insurance commercials. He was also on Oz, sweetie. And he was quite the different character on Oz. I never saw Oz. Oh, okay. And uh, my sister knows this guy. Yes. Yes. They're, they're, they knew each other back in California. I think her, the girl that she nannied for would sometimes spend time with his yeah, daughter. something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyways... Uh, this, he's apparently like salt of the earth, awesome dude. Mm. So it makes this speech even better. So this is about a minute and a half. So buckle up. And I am grateful every day for the most remarkable person I know, my wife, the wonderful Michelle Schumacher. I'm grateful for your love, your kindness, your wisdom, your sacrifice, and your patience which brings me to the above average children. (laughs) Even though I may try the patience more, Joe and Olivia, you are extraordinary human beings, smart, funny, kind, loving people, and that's because you are a reflection of your mother. (laughs) And if I may, call your mom, everybody, I'm told it's like a billion people or so. Call your mom, call your dad. If you're lucky enough to have a parent or two alive on this planet, call them. Don't text, don't email. Call them on the phone. Tell them you love them and thank them and listen to them for as long as they want to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you, mom and dad. 
JK. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that nice? Yeah, that was lovely. He was the first person to win an award last night, so it was a great way to start out. Um, but, you know, that's an issue in itself, you know, connection with our parents and honoring who they are mm-hmm. and what they gave us. And like he said, to continue learning from our parents. And right. again, that's always, that's another thing that we kind of come into issue with on this show is sometimes when we talk about evolving. Right. People will say, well, I don't want to dishonor my parents and what they gave me. You never do that. You don't ever have to do that. All you do is you take all that good stuff that they gave you, anything that didn't work, you understand they were doing the best they could at the time, and then you just evolve yourself and you honor everything that you're – I mean just by the very nature of that you are here and you were taken care of as a child because of them. Yeah. That is enough – you know, right there to honor your parents. So I liked that speech very much. Thank you, JK. Mm-hmm. Uh, our second partner is Dr. John Kelly. Uh, he does comprehensive dentistry for myself and my wife and my three kids, and he's really good at what he does. So uh, give him a call, 773-631-6844, chicagodentistonline.com. Um, so give John a call. All right, now we're getting into the question portion. Oh, no, Mm-mm. Lady Gaga. I have a few other things that oh, I yeah. want to talk about. Sorry about that. One of them, and we're not going to play clips for these, but first of all, I just wanted to say for everybody who dislikes Lady Gaga um, that she was fantastic last night. And if you kind of knew her history and knew about who she was before she became Lady Gaga, you would know that you know she's a Juilliard-trained artist. Um, she's always been an excellent singer. And that it doesn't, you know, I, I was noticing a lot of comments today. People are saying, thank goodness she didn't wear the crazy costumes and she can just stand alone and sing without, you know, her voice is so beautiful. Why does she have to be so over the top? And I think the thing we're missing is you can be both. I think the thing that Lady Gaga stands for is, yes, I can stand here in a dress and sing, but also a part of me is wearing a meat dress mm-hmm. and pushing the envelope and having a you know a production where I'm bleeding on stage. This is the way she speaks her um, – this is how she uh, – speaks her mind or speaks her heart or demonstrates who she is. So I think instead of saying, okay, now we like her because she looks like us. Right. Let's embrace the, Yeah. Let's embrace the whole thing because I, she, you know, she just got off of this whole, or it's probably not over, but she won a Grammy a couple of weeks ago with, for the Tony Bennett album. Right. So she's kind of been doing a little more mainstream work. Right. Um, but I have no doubt that she will probably end up doing something Some crazy off stuff. the wall again. Right. Maybe not now, but in a couple of years. Not because necessarily she's trying to be, you know, get your attention, but because that's who she is. Right. I've kind of always thought she was the real deal. Have you ever? Did you feel that way about her? Um, I never quite understood what everything, even you know, her her decisions on how she presents herself, and then the backlash against it, like. I don't understand why you'd wear a meat dress. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I also don't understand why people get so mad well, I about think stuff. Everybody it's... tries to kind of like waffle it and put her in a category like she's trying to be Madonna mm-hmm. because she's trying to reinvent herself. Although over she and does over. have that song that sounds like Express Yourself, sweetie. Yes, you always say that. What's Born that song? this way. Born this way. Um, I'm going to play it a little bit. And, and I want our listeners to see if they hear a little bit of Express Yourself by Madonna within the context of this song or am i just crazy all right all right do can i keep talking or are you going to play no, it no don't talk okay i feel like that's the wrong version no that's her song that's it this is it the same thing no it's not <laughs> That's express yourself. It doesn't sound like express yourself to me, even though you're not alone. So Many if people you want have said it, it right now. Let me show you how express what she's got. Oh, baby, ready or not? Okay, are those I, the words? Yes, you were pretty on target there. Um, but let me say some about that that song. Okay, she's got so many great songs, and "Born This Way" is not even my favorite. But that one, I think, saved. So many lives. Mm. I think the words to that song and how popular it became and how it became such a mantra, I think that saved lives. Mm. Just the fact, you know, everything we're talking about, I was born this way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is not something that I'm trying to manipulate you. Right. I'm not trying to, you know, make life difficult for you. I'm not trying. I just am who I am. So, okay. What else other- you got, sweetie? The other thing, there was a hashtag last night that was going around before the Oscars even started called Ask Her More. And I can't 
I couldn't differentiate between who started Ask Her More. Like a lot of the pages that I follow around, you know, equality for women were kind of focusing on it. So I don't know where it began. Um, But the hashtag Ask Her More was about when a woman is on the red carpet. Mm. Instead of asking her all the same stupid questions about how long it took her to get ready, who did her hair, and, you know, did she get her nails painted for tonight, ask her a meaningful question. And so a lot of groups, uh, you know, you know, equal rights groups were yeah. saying we're kind of putting pressure on the media. Ask her something valuable. Who was your, you know, who who's your inspiration? Tell me more about this role. And it doesn't mean that a woman isn't going to share who made her dress, but that doesn't need to be the first question. Do we know if the media did a better job last I night? I think so. I I was reading the post this morning, and again, because of all the other things from last night that were so major, I think it kind of got overshadowed. But I think on the red carpet, we only watched about 10 minutes of the red carpet because it kind of drives me crazy. Because it's just awful TV? It's just so awkward. Bunch of uncomfortable interviews. It's I don't so understand why awkward. people tune into that. Because people will say, it's funny, I think about your mom when I see red carpet, because she loved red carpet. And she would say, she goes, I could even mute it. I just love to see the beauty mm. of, you know, the the dresses and the women and the, even the men look fantastic. So it's, it's very aesthetic for some people. Yeah. But um, for me, I just I just cringe at the interviews. Um, there was, um, there's a girl who I subscribe to on YouTube, and she's all about girls equal rights mm-hmm. i forget her name and she asked kevin spacey a bunch of questions that ordinarily would be directed towards girls awesome and they were and kevin spacey didn't quite know how to react because he said you know she's like who made your your suit or where's your suit from and then did you get a mani pedi and all <laughs> that and he's like are these really the questions you want to ask and she he totally made her point and it's, it wasn't. Did she then turn around and say, "I'm asking this because"? Blah, no, blah. I don't. I think he kind of got out of there. So I think I love Kevin Spacey, but I think he was caught off guard, and he just thought that she's some whack job or just someone who was so misinformed. I'll try that. to find it and put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, because it was interesting because they were ridiculous questions, right? And they're just as ridiculous to a girl as they are a boy. Well, and they're just so surfacey. And again, people will say, what's the harm? It's no big deal. The harm is the the discrepancy Mm -hmm. between what men and women are asked. And like I said, you don't have to go out and say, don't ask about the dress. Ask about the dress. It's a piece. It's, you know, the the woman appreciates that. Or maybe. I don't know. I can't speak for them. But that's a piece of it. But there's also so many other things that brought her to this place besides what dress she's going to wear and what kind of jewelry she has. So uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about was Tim McGraw's performance. Tug. I'm a big fan of Tim McGraw, so it's always good to see him. I thought his name was Um, Tug. No, that's his dad. Oh, sorry. Um, But he sang Glenn Campbell's song. um, I think it's called I'm Not Gonna Miss You. And it was um, Glenn Campbell's last song he recorded. Um, after he found out he had Alzheimer's. Mm. So the words are very poignant in that way because basically he, he – I'm not going to yeah. miss you. I'm yeah. not – you know, he doesn't even know. Yeah. Um, meaningful. Meaningful and just it made me really listen to the song again to kind of – you know, so meaningful. And there was a documentary or a movie about Glenn Campbell this year and that's why mm. it was up for um, original song. But I also was naive enough to think that Glenn Campbell had passed away and he had not. He has not. He's in a long-term care facility yeah. for Alzheimer's patients. So, yeah. um, you know, I just thought that was really wonderful that Tim McGraw not only came out and sang that song but did such a good job. Yeah. In his cowboy hat. We've had uh, – I thought the fact that he didn't have a cowboy, I feel like that was a story that he wasn't wearing a cowboy No, hat. he was wearing his black hat. I think it's when he showed up, he wasn't. Oh. The red carpet, he didn't have that. Oh. Maybe put it on for the show. He did because I said something – Cameron or someone said something about he's wearing a cowboy hat. And I said he always wears a cowboy mm-hmm. hat. And, and I, he, he had on a tux. Yeah. So that's kind of a cool – it was a black hat. It was cool. Yeah. I love Tim. I love Tug too. He's so it's great. Tim. Pretty sure it's Tug. Okay. Um, question time. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Um, this is a little long, so bear with me. All right, oh, okay. sweetie. My 10-year-old is really afraid of change or to try new things. He's always been on the anxious side and is definitely an introvert. Okay. He spends a lot of time alone, but in a lovely, productive way. He's very artistic and spends hours drawing. He does one activity after school and enjoys it, but I feel it would do him good to do even just one other thing that would expand his horizons and his social group. I've suggested an activity that I feel might fit the bill. He says, although he thinks he would enjoy it, 
He says he is too shy to try it in the first place, even though there are several of his friends already doing this. I feel he is opting out for the wrong reasons. He is very insistent that he won't try it. I wouldn't even mind if he tried it for a couple weeks and then said he didn't like it. At least he will have tried. So my question is this. At what point do we as parents draw the line between encouraging our kids to try something new and actually pushing them into it? I always try to give the kids give my kids choice where, po- where possible, so I'm finding it hard to be in a position where I might have to take away a choice even for this one thing. Yeah, I guess like taking the broad perspective on that question, like my I'm still kind of stuck at the beginning where she said he does he's in school, he's 10. He's 10. He has one uh after school activity already and why we as parents make an assumption that if he was in this one more thing, then he'd be more socially engaged and he'd be happier. And I think that's our way of feeling better. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way that we decide if he does this one more thing, I'll feel better about the way he is interacting. And then all the stuff below that just kind of stems from the first thing, meaning then everything after that, should I push him? Shouldn't I? He says he's too shy. He shouldn't be too shy. All that kind of just fades away as far as, I mean, it's completely up to her if she wants to push him into something. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, do or don't do it, do whatever you want to. But I think the bigger picture is what do we want most with and for our kids? We want to be connected to them. We want to support them and who they are. And what he has told her through actions and words is I'm more of an introvert. I enjoy being at home. And I enjoy kind of doing my own thing and reading, even though I'm going to school every single day and I'm in an activity one day a week, that's kind of where – that's my comfort zone right now. Um, and I guess I just kind of look at it like why do we feel like – like I feel like we're always trying to produce something more. And then if he was in this next activity that maybe we'd be thinking, well, maybe I'll get him in another activity after this. It, like, does it end? I so don't know. Here's my thing. Okay. Uh, first off, to this lady, yeah. is I struggle with the same thing. Yes. So oh, this let, is very common. Let me be very honest about it. I struggle with this. But having said that, um, I'm in agreement with you, sweetie, because um, it's not about pushing them into something that they don't want to do because – this may be dramatic, but I feel like when you're doing that, when you're pushing them, you're basically saying you are not enough mm-hmm. as you are. Mm-hmm. And you can encourage uh, a little bit, but when it gets to the point where you think you're being pushy, I, I my advice for her is to back off because I give myself the exact same advice because I struggle with the exact same thing. And I, and I want to back up and I'm going to just use her words here again. She said, I have found something that I think will fit the bill. Yeah. And so really that's you deciding that you think this is the best thing for him and he didn't really have a say in whether he thought it was. Now, here's the way I want to expand this conversation even more is because what I've noticed, and again, every school is different, every town is different, so I can't make a huge assumption here. But my girls, as we stopped, or we still do a few things, you know, extracurricular, especially my younger one. But as my girls have gotten older, they've found more investment in their school, meaning they'll do something in the school during the day, like a yearbook club or, a, you know, they have choir on Wednesdays or not choir, it's called chorus um, or hip hop club or, you know, playing an instrument. And, and they've kind of found their way naturally without me having to sign them up for a bunch of stuff. Now, again, every town is different. So you may say, well, we don't have that. And if you don't, then maybe this isn't the advice that'll work for you. But I think sometimes if we just kind of let go, they will find things and they may not be the things we expected or the things we experienced. Right. But that doesn't mean it's not right. Like your son, I'm just going to play. He may find another friend who loves a book that he loves just as much. So they end up meeting after school and talking about this book, and that's all they do. And we often, you know, I'm, again, hypothetical making this up. We'll look at that and we'll say, well, they're not really doing anything. They should be in a class or they should be doing this. And to me, that's just as important, that idea of like, you know, finding, you know, connection in something or appreciating a piece of literature or I think sometimes we just have a preconceived notion. Like we've talked about on this show before, like when my daughter was dancing one time, just doing like this really elaborate dance. And I said, 
do you want me to get you in a class? You know, you just seem like you love dancing. And, and her comment to me was, why do I have to be in a class if I already love dancing? Right. And she's right. Right. I mean, if she wanted to learn more, I'd be willing to take her and everything. You know, if she was like, no, I'm ready, which my younger daughter is. Mm-hmm. But I guess sometimes we got to listen. Well, here's my other thing. Okay. This kid is, what does he say? Ten. No, I know oh. he's 10, but he's very artistic and spends hours drawing. If That's this, amazing. If this kid was on the iPad just flaking out to YouTube clips of Minecraft, I might be a little bit more pushy. Right. But he's drawing. Right. Let him draw. You know, um, one one time I saw, uh, what's his name? Kabuki. Kala, the guy who wrote Amulet, the Amulet series. Yeah, the Asian Kazo? dude. I can't remember his name, but he's great. And he, uh, we went to see him speak and also the woman who wrote Smile. And he talked about that. Yeah. That as a boy, his parents really wanted him to be a doctor and they pushed <laughs> him really hard. And he would, in any any you know free time he got, he would draw and make cartoons because he knew that's who he was. And one of the things that he had to figure out in like high school is he had to reconcile. He said, I knew I wanted to draw cartoons. So the way I like connected it in my head was... I'll have a doctor's office and I will put my cartoon artwork all over my office. Mm. Like he felt so pushed to become something he didn't want to be that he was trying to fit his dream in with his parents' dream. And even though, again, this, you know, this isn't the mom saying I'm forcing him to be a doctor. Yeah, yeah. We're we're, uh, we're elaborating here. But it's kind of the same message of if he's sitting for hours drawing and in his imagination, that might be his skill and gift. Well, and the fact is that this lady's even asking the question tells me that she has uh, some self-awareness going on. she knows. She knows. Most other, not most, many other parents that have a different parenting style wouldn't even ask this question. Right. Well, and I think she's just questioning herself. Like they both feel right. It feels right to me. You know, I'm assuming here she's saying it feels right to me to get him involved in other things because I think he would love it. But I'm also questioning myself because I don't want to harm our relationship. And that this can be an ongoing conversation. You can say to him, I still think this would be excellent. Would you consider it? And he may say not right now, but say, will you be open-minded to it maybe next year? Or it's not that you have to just shut down and say, okay, you win. You just collaborate rather than force. Right, right, right. Um, So this is the part of the show where I usually close it off because we're 47 minutes in. Okay. Um, But you and I said that we had a lot of different things that we wanted to talk about today. So we're going to do one more question and extend the show by a little bit. And the thing that I want to ask our listeners is if you're still listening 47 minutes in, do you like the fact that maybe we go a little bit longer um, if you do, just shoot me an email at comments at sendparentingradio.com. That way, if nobody says anything, we know that we should probably shut it down at about 45 minutes. But or Not necessarily. Well, I would say the other way. If people email and say we don't like it, but if we don't hear anything, that doesn't mean that people don't like it, right? I don't know. Yeah. It's just a guess. Yeah. I guess radio silence, we're kind of just still in the same yeah. place. We're always guessing on what you all want. Yeah. But let's do this other question okay. really quick. Oh, but first, we have uh, some... Uh, iTunes reviews. So don't forget to give us a review on iTunes. It help us ex- helps us expand our audience and makes it more accessible to iTunes followers and things like that. But we got two new ones, one from Pink Smash. Okay. She gave us five stars. I think it's a she. Yeah, it's a she. Um, and she calls it self-care and self-awareness. And then the other one is from Music Brianne Singh. Okay. And she gave us five stars. And Thank you very she much. She also says that she enjoys the movie quotes. Thank you. So Todd does too, as do I. But Todd's a producer, so he's the one throwing them out there. Um, I wish I had a movie. Yeah. Go ahead. Make my day. Clint, he was there last night. That's my movie quote for the day. So anyways, um, I'm not, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this person's name. So I'll say my, my husband and I have very different parenting styles. My husband is very utilitarian, how he was raised. What is uh, – author- Utilitarian? Yeah, what – I don't know that definition. That means like authoritative. Okay. Do what I say. Okay. Do what I say, don't ask questions, that kind of style. I'm more open to helping my kids understand why I want them to do something, asking them to do things, and letting them weigh in on decisions. The problem is that my husband's method is more effective in the short run, and he's not open to changing. My kids are more compliant with him, more defiant with me. I wonder what the effect is of having two parents with such different approaches trying to co-manage. And sometimes I feel like I try to overcompensate for my husband's harshness by being too lax. How do you find the middle ground? 
That's a really big, important question, Well, sweetie. and we've talked about it before. I mean, I don't think this is the first time we've gotten no. this question. And I think a lot of the things we said before hold true, meaning it has to be an ongoing conversation. Um, there has to be some compassion and acceptance on both sides. Um, there has to be some self-awareness around um, or awareness of why your husband is doing what he's doing, most likely it's because it's what he learned. And most likely it's because, like you said, he has a short term. Uh, in the short term, it's it works. Fix. It's a quick fix. The The conversation is about, you know, it always comes down to what do we really want for our kids? Yeah. And if we can really embrace that, then sometimes we can look more at long-term effects rather than short-term, meaning if we what we really want for our kids is for them to trust us, um, come to us with their issues, uh, know that they're safe in the home. And when I say safe, I don't just mean physically. That's obviously one thing, but emotionally safe, that whatever they experience or feel, they can share. Um, If that's what we really want is that connectedness, which we know not only because it feels right, but we know by research is what allows our kids to thrive is that feeling of belonging and acceptedness. Openness, openness, expansiveness. Yeah. And and just that they are okay as they are, which a lot of times these short-term approaches of fear and shame and guilt, it it you know chips away at that. Well, um, she says, my kids are more compliant with him and more defiant with me. Well, no kidding. They're scared of him. Right. Well, and that's what I was going to say is that that's the short-term thing is that they will listen to you in effect that they are afraid of you. But again, this is the piece that we know is that kids will then not demonstrate behaviors in front of you, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they've intrinsically learned to not do the behavior at all. Yeah. You know, all of us can relate to that where we'd be like, I would have never done that in front of my mom and dad. But yeah, when we were in the cornfield, mm-hmm. I grew up in DeKalb, so everything was in a cornfield. <laughs> when we were in the cornfield, sure, you know, we had a beer or yeah. whatever. So we didn't have, we didn't take it internally where we had, again, that intrinsic motivation to do different. Yeah. We just were smart enough to yeah. never Trying do it to be elusive. our parents. Yeah, you just need to get away. Right. So then as your kids get older, I don't know how old their kids are, but I think this kind of authoritarian or the short-term effect can work for a while, work, I'm putting that in quotes, meaning that you'll see that they somehow, quote unquote, fall in line. Um But then as they get to an age where they start to question who they are and where they come from, which is usually around pre-adolescent teenage years, it, it, they start to then question their relationship. Here's the thing. There's a payoff for doing it slow and steady, which means trust and love and listening, listening. negotiating. It's frustrating because, yeah, I mean, I could yell at my daughters and get them scared and make them, you know, whip into action really quick. But there's a price to pay. Price to pay for that. Whereas if you do it, you know, the conscious parenting style or the self aware parenting style, whatever term you want to use, there's a payoff that when these kids do get into their teenage years, you start to see the seeds of some intrinsic motivation taking place. You see a sense of that they trust who they are. They know that they're emotionally safe within their home. They know that you have their back. They know that they can come to you if ever they have challenges. They'll feel a connectedness to you and a sense of, um, you know, deeper relationship with you. Um, and again, for because you pointed out this part about how you said they are defiant with me. If she was, if you were here. Uh, whoever wrote that, I would ask the question, what are you calling defiance? Is it that they question you? Because I will tell you that when I tell my kids we're going to do something or they have to do something, they question me all the time. But I don't think a question is a bad thing. Right. Meaning that then I explain, here's what's happening, here's why. And they're not always happy about it. Right. But that doesn't mean then that I say, okay, then we don't have to do it. Sometimes we have to, you know, go to the eye doctor. And maybe they don't want to, or maybe they had a play date, but that's where we're going. But your question, I honor. Mm -hmm. Do we have to do it today? We do. Because, you know, but instead of just saying, do as I say, don't Don't ever question question me, that's not a relationship. Yeah. That's a hierarchy yeah. of I am better than you. Don't talk. I know better yeah. than you. Yeah. And so you can still be in charge and have somebody ask you questions yeah. and develop a relationship. So now maybe she's speaking of more obvious defiance. Um, but I would also say that when our kids are really little, two, three, four, five, 
the, it's not it's growing rather than just over defiance meaning a 2-year-old's supposed to have a tantrum yeah. a 3-year-old and a 4-year-old are supposed to have a tantrum yeah. they are supposed to question and feel their emotions they're supposed to they're, they're learning how to navigate and negotiate the world so a lot of times we call that defiance right. when really our job is to help them kind of work with their emotions if they're not being a little defiant you got issues yeah well you would want to question that like you know, if they had no emotional reactivity, mm-hmm. that's not good. Yeah. They've got to have a lot of feelings. And our job is to give them tools to deal with their feelings. So hopefully that gives a little bit of insight. And again, it's a, it's an ongoing conversation. I mean, just like Todd said, he and I still will have issues that he'll say, I think this, and I'll say, well, I think this. And, and I, I don't think necessarily he's completely right or I'm completely right. right. I think there's somewhere in the middle um, where we can all kind of fall and discuss. If I can find the podcast, we just did one like a month or two ago where the wife once again wrote in asking similar things about different parenting styles uh-huh. within the same family. If I can find that, I'll post it on the show notes because uh, we kind of delve into that specifically. It's like, what do you do if your husband is, comes from a completely different direction yeah. and how do you navigate through that? So I'll try to find that. And if I can, I'll put it in the show notes. And I think, can I back up one more second from that and say, I think sometimes we think things are supposed to be like perfect and easy and fit together like puzzle pieces, like, oh, my husband does this and I say this and we fit together perfectly. The whole intention of relationship is kind of learning from each other. Like, you know, a lot of times people say, you know, like we always talk about, I have friends who will be like, well, my husband didn't do this or he should have done this or my friend should have said this. And my question always is, did you ask them? Did you talk to them about it? No, I didn't, but they just should have known. That's not relationship. Relationship is when you when you question and ask and and you're willing to put yourself out there and be vulnerable and say, do you agree or be compassionate for their experience? And so I say that just to pull it back more because a lot of times we just – we look at our relationships and we say it's not perfect because we don't agree on everything. Right. And who said that that's the way relationships are supposed to be? Right. I think the more compassionate you are toward each other, you start to agree more mm-hmm. because you're not so volatile. Right. Um, but I, I, I don't – I don't expect Todd to agree with everything I say. No, we just had it out in the car last week about uh, some money things and phone things with oh, yeah, one of yeah, our yeah. kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, had it out. You're, you're... Sweetie, we had it we out. We did not. We had it out. It wasn't a fight. Out. It was a it was good – fight. <laughs> I was throwing stuff around. You were not. Yeah. But it was a great dialogue mm-hmm. because I'm able to kind of sort through the way I view things with money. You sort through the way you – you know, you – look at money and we kind of come to we didn't even really reach a decision but we got closer yes we're baby stepping our way towards some consensus between uh, it's regarding our our daughter yes so we'll see money so lucky for you guys you got out of the money conversation because we went so long oh that's sad Mm, i'm sad some people like my money stuff honey i love your money stuff do you really? I because I love you, I love your money stuff because I know it's important to you. But I can't it'd be like you saying you love People magazine. Did you love the Academy Awards? No. <laughs> so I did, and but you still watch with me and just they're not cuckoo. Last night was good. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Who was that again? Practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? It's Alan Iverson. He got in trouble for that. Yeah, that's a famous quote. Okay. So our last partner is Avid Company. Jeremy Kraft is the owner. He's a good friend. He's really good at doing what you ask him to do. He's good at answering the phone. He's good at being responsive. He's a really good general contractor. Um, and he's a bald-headed beauty, and I'm not going to back off from that. That's his new tagline. I decided it. Jeremy Kraft is a bald-headed beauty, and his number is 630-956-1800, painting and remodeling in the Chicago line area, avidco.net. Yes. Um, anything you want to promote, sweetie? Um, okay, so we have the mask you live in. Yeah. Wednesday, March 11th. Don't get your tickets. About our winter hats too, sweetie. Kath- well, get there. KathyCAdams.com or ZenParentingRadio.com. Click events. Get your tickets. I've got all three of my books: Self-Aware Parent, Self-Aware Parent Two, and my new one, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. Also, this weekend, this Sunday, I think it's March 1st. I'm speaking at Old St. Pat's Church. Okay. And I think it's open 
to anybody. Yeah, you said that last time. You had no idea, but you said it anyway. Well, so I just keep say it rereading. Again. The woman who asked me said, "Yeah, you should promote it." So if I'm Tells promoting me that it, you're promoting it. Yeah. So, but I'm excited to do it because I think it's going to be like a question and answer um, where this uh, Cara Pollard, who is. Uh, who is she uh, runs this business in Chicago called Away We Play, and she's also a PCI certified parent coach. She went to the same school I did, and anyway, she's going to be kind of the uh, MC, the facilitator, sure. and she's going to ask me questions, and we're going to have a back and forth. So um, that's on uh, our web our website. No, it's on our Facebook page, and oh. on the show notes. Okay, are you annoyed? No, it's no. not good information though. Yeah, you're not like telling them what what to do. Well, it's. We'll How about put it this? In our show notes. We'll put it in our show notes Done. and I'll put it on our Facebook page again. And if you are like, okay, I still don't understand, comments at zenparentingradio.com. Um, and then I was going to say one other thing. Oh, I'm making a push to get people to subscribe to our website because it's our website? Yes. On subscribe the web- to the website. Yes. On the website, you subscribe. And that way you get our podcasts and any blogs we do directly to your inbox. Okay. You and, Yes. So, But you're not subscribing to the website. You're subscribing on the website. Subscribing on the website. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. One word difference. <laughs> well, it just – And actually good. I'm inviting you, sweetie, to subscribe I know. on our website. I got to do that. I keep saying, why, don't, is, why doesn't it come to my inbox? Sweetie, you need to do what you say you're going to do and you need to say what you're going to say. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Um, all right. Music. Um, do you have any words of wisdom, sweetie? Uh, no, I think that all of the award winners last night had plenty of words of wisdom. I can't top all those speeches. I can. Okay, let's hear it. Keep trucking. That's right. Just keep trucking. Have a good week. And, and be cool, man. Be cool, man. Just be cool. All right.